Welcome to Bound by Books, a, a podcast of five authors across genres talking about the one thing we are all bound by, books. I'm one of your hosts, Marianne Morea. I write paranormal fantasy, romance, urban fantasy, and they straddle the genres, including paranormal women's fiction and YA. And my co-host for the day is Hannah Byron. Hey, hello. Hello, Marianne. Hello, listeners. Watchers, um, yeah, my name is Hannah Byron. Well, my pen name is Hannah Byron, and uh, I'm very simple. I just write historical fiction, just one <laughs> genre so far. And <laughs> um, basically, uh, Second World War, I've written one book on the First World War, but my period is from the Victorian age to say um, the generation that when I was born. So that is the baby boomers. Believe it or not, I'm a baby boomer too. I was yeah, born. Yeah, but you, uh, you were a baby when I was already <laughs> at primary school, I think. I, yeah, I, I, I just mit, missed the cutoff for Generation X by six weeks because I was born at the end of October in 1964. So yeah. everybody says, oh, you're still Generation X. So yeah, yeah. yeah anyway, yeah. Um, today we are talking about when, when characters kill. And it's because um, Hannah writing historical fiction, uh, especially when she talked about World War One, World War Two, um, horrible things happen to uh, people who deserve it and people who don't deserve it. It's just that's the way life happens, you know. Good, bad things happen to good people, not just bad things happening to bad people. And in my worlds that I've created, um, my books being the fact that they're um, fantasy, urban fantasy, and they do straddle genres, have a lot of action. And, you know, the the uh, the violence can go from just very mild straight up to, you know, gory. It depends on what the story requires. And sometimes we have to kill off characters that we love, even though, the, you know, and even, and believe it or not, there are, we've, we've, authors fall in love with our villains too. We do. They're, we, you know, they're the, the characters we love to hate. You know, and uh, but sometimes they sometimes they they get their they get their comeuppance in a way that we find very creative. So, Hannah, why don't you tell us a little bit about when your characters kill? Yeah, I, I must say that when I started out uh, writing about the First World War, I didn't have my main characters actively involved in the killing itself. Of course, it was about two doctors, so they tried to save lives. Um, it was only in the second book, which was on the Second World War, that um, death came a little bit uh, closer to the main character, but still she didn't kill. And it was actually in the third book that has just released yesterday, The Parisian Spy. Where, happy, birth, happy book yeah, birthday. Where actually my heroine was pushed so far that she had to kill. And yeah, talking about um, how violent these scenes are, um, just before we go into the details of it, do you put like a warning, a trigger warning up in your books? Um, it depends because some of the violence that I have in my book isn't just, um, you know, hand-to-hand -hand combat or um, weaponry combat. Um, some of it is, uh, is violence against women. Um, and I try to keep that as much to a minimum as possible. And as if, if it does happen, um, the person who the perpetrator always always uh 
is eviscerated at some point during the book because I can't have somebody walking around who is guilty of those kinds of crimes. It just can't. Whether it's the heroine herself who does it, you know, by her hand or somebody else's. But to answer your question, the answer is um, it depends on the book. It depends on the level of violence. I have a book called um, Blood Legacy where I do have uh, disclaimers in there because it it does get rather graphic in certain senses. Um, so, you know, some people that, that puts them off. So I want to give a reader every possible chance to see what they're what they're going to get when they open the pages of my books and you so you do it inside a book not on 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 the the blurb or on on no on the on the retail page it's right there in bold on the retail page so before they click uh, you know, they one click the you know to purchase. It's it's right there for them to see. Yeah, because I'm actually um, I I never considered this, but I'm getting these reviews back, and a couple of reviewers have said this is mature material. So um, I I'm I'm considering it now to to actually add it. You know, I I because of course in in this in in war scenes people expect it to be gruesome, but yeah, it's something that I don't want to, but that might be enough to just say mature, that it's not for kids. You know? Yeah, I mean, for me, I don't know if that would go far enough, because some of my books are, they, they, not only is there graphic violence and fighting going on, but there's also um, a, a sexual content as well. Yeah. So, uh, but I, but not in all my books, you know, it's not in yeah. all my books. No, but that is, that is a known, I think that is much more known to, 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 to stress the heat levels of, of a book, but the violence part is, is not, I think, as strictly in, in grades or something, or is it? I don't I know. People have more problems with sex than they do with gratuitous oh, murder. Yeah. You know, I think I think they'll, yeah. especially if the, if it's a bad guy that's getting, you know, that's that's yeah. getting it uh, karma coming around and giving him a nice bitch slap. <laughs> yeah. So, so before we actually go into examples, can you tell me some a little bit about how it it does it make you feel different when you write when you are writing a a, a violent scene or afterwards or rereading it. Is it is it in some way different? You know, it's funny because I uh, people say to me, "Why are some of your books so dark? Why do they have such dark elements to it?" Because it's dark fantasy in some places. Um, because I, they, people say I have a terrific sense of humor and I make people laugh, and I have you know my my humor tends to be self deprecating and and whatnot. Um, but believe it or not, they come from my nightmares. You know, and a lot of times when I'm when I'm in the middle of writing a book, you know, the characters take over my dreams and they're nightmares that happen. And I just, I wake up in a sweat and I, you know, have a pen and a pad next to my, my, next to the bed. And I just, I scribble in the middle of the night, writing it down. Um, When I kill off a a character that I I have crafted and has a a beautiful character arc and and the character just has to, has to die for whatever reason, I cry. I cry as I'm writing this. Um, and sometimes I even cry when it's a bad guy that's done, that, that, that gets killed off, especially if they've come to a, a crossroads in their life where they're, they, they've, um, they've realized the error of their ways and they have uh, a moment of redemption. But it's not enough of a moment of redemption to um, 
erase everything that they've done in the past. It's like, you know, they, they still have to die, but at least now they're sorry for it. I cry for that too. It's like people think oh, authors who, who kill off their characters that they, we just skip off and have tea with Satan. You know, it's just, it doesn't, <laughs> no, yeah. we, we, it's, we're emotionally invested. So therefore, yeah. you know, yeah, well, uh, what I about you? Yeah, I don't cry, but I get the goosebumps. I mean, the passage I will, I will read, um, because we will each read a passage where we kill off a character. Um, but um, yeah, I don't cry, but in this aspect, I, because yeah, you see this, in the sense that this is um, a Nazi general, it sort of makes it very real as well. These people existed. Yeah. And, and the main character is pushed to, to really with her back against the wall. She cannot do anything else. So um, it's not, so of course it isn't emotionally in the same, uh, although he's not just completely a bad guy because that wouldn't be an interesting story arc. But um, I didn't let the redemption take over too much of it. And yeah, I just, I was really worried when I reread it thinking, is this too too much for my readers, you know. I was really worried because it, it sort of gave me a visceral reaction rereading it because it is so, so such part of our history. We know that these things happened. Right. So that is slightly different from a fantasy situation where, yeah, you are much more, you're only involved in the story. Here there is always also in the back of your mind, this could have happened, this has happened, you know. Yeah. So that it, it it's sort of <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's true I mean the book that I'm going to read a passage from today is called Time Turner and the only thing that's paranormal about it is that it's time travel um, but it's time travel back to a, a place in um, uh, the American Revolution um, so it, it, these it, it, to a certain extent what you've just said carries carries forward with this too because it very well could have happened yeah so right yeah yeah shall we just embark on it and then we can discuss our episodes absolutely that. i'm listening no you're going first <laughs> oh, okay 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 right ready ho so this is a part in the middle of the book of the parisian spy I'm not going to tell the story. I, I'm just going to, to read the passage and then um, you can. I'm going to close my eyes and envision it. <laughs> <laughs> the general held out his hands in the air as if in defense. So what do you want, Arenberg? Is it money, promotion, retribution? The word sounds so clean, Ocean thought, so correct. A deadly calm settled on her. Arenberg was right. The game was over for von Stein. She opened her medical bag, knowing what she was looking for. Wait, the general cried, as if he had heard her think out loud. There must be a way we can work together. Let me explain myself. What's the use? It was her turn to address him. For Hans and me, you've crushed everything that was good and loved. It's men like you that began this awful war in the first place. 
out of spite and hatred and arrogance. She rummaged more in her bag. We don't have time for your shallow reasoning anymore, Arenberg added. The fact that you were able to push two people over the edge who had never even have thought of killing another human is on your conscience, not ours. You're wrong there, young man. The general seemed to recover some of his former authority. I had dreams of a better life once myself, and I was thwarted in the way I wanted to live my life. I could have been a famous doctor, but a mean little professor decided to let me fail my entrance exam. And I could have loved you, if you, his voice almost died down, if you had let me. He cleared his throat, having become strangely emotional. Don't you both see it? You have everything I never had. Love, being a doctor, decency. His voice picked up before it became a hoarse cry again. I had to crush it. I had to crush you. It's my job to break the good in weak people. I can break all that providence. I have that power. Hitler gave it to me and you can't take it from me. The power over the dark is mine. Mine alone. You'll You'll be crushed, crushed, crushed. Shut up about your gotterdammering. Arenberg jumped to his feet. Now, Ocean, I'll hold him. He jumped on top of the general, forcing his arms behind his back while he planted his knee in the German's crotch. With trembling fingers, Ocean filled the syringe with insulin. Straight into the heart, she reminded herself. Don't think, just do it. This is for the love and the beauty and the good in the world, she said, as she jabbed the needle into his chest. Arenberg held the struggling general, who quickly became limp, and the last ocean saw of him was an evil blue eye, fixing her with a deadly stare. The world became a swooshing dark swirl, and then it was gone. A white silence reigned. Wow. That's that's very powerful, very <laughs> powerful, because I envisioned the whole thing. And it's like a movie playing in my head, like a historic movie playing in my head. Yeah, and you're so right. They, it could have very easily have happened. They are in a bunker in North, North Africa. That's why he's taken her. And you've understood. So this young German um, sergeant has been raped by him because he's actually a homosexual, this, this general. So um, he has his own, and he doesn't believe in this war, and they come from the same area and in Germany, and um, this German sergeant has, you know, his father said that this man, this von Stein, would look after him, and he's been so betrayed, this young man. And um, so, uh, but it, it all happens in, in, in a desert in North Africa, and then they have to flee, the two of them, and they are, you know, they have a German jeep, so they, they could, the funny thing is, I have one male ARC reviewer, and he loved the book, because there was this uh, kind of action in it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, women, women don't just kill with poison. You know, we kill, <laughs> we kill any way we need to. I had to research it, of course, if this was possible. I had to read all these, um, you know, court cases of, of nurses having 
done this and i have to make sure that this was possible in the second world war as yeah. well yeah oh yeah. you will definitely maybe in one review or more reviews there will be people standing up and saying this is impossible well i will give you a little bit of a background of the story i'm not going to tell you the whole story but um it's like i said it's time travel it goes back to 1787 during the american revolution and um my character is uh, a modern girl from the 21st century and she goes back and she is embroiled in uh, the betrayal of Benedict Arnold trying to sell um, West Point, which is a, an American stronghold on the Hudson River in New York to the British. And she is um, trying to save, um, save people that she loves, but at the same time, stop him from handing over the keys to the castle, so to speak, to the British, because he's in, he's just enamored of his wife. And she's, she's got him like a puppet on a string where she can maneuver him because she has these grandiose dreams of being uh, lauded in the, in the court of, of, um, of King George, you know, she's, she's one of those. She wants to be, yeah, yeah, she yeah. wants to be uh, um, a landed aristocrat and she's not so. My inner warning bells were screaming for me to run. I walked toward the door, one of them in the front and the other behind. This was bad. We stepped outside and I turned to bolt, but a meaty hand shot out grabbing me by my jacket. My hat fell from my head and loose strands of hair fell from my braid framing my face. I, my voice cracked and panic sliced up my chest, nearly cutting off my air. Curious, Thomas, don't you Ken? It squeaks like a lass, but is dressed like a lad. Mayhap we should take a peek at what's hiding beneath those fancy britches. Might be we'll get a nice furry surprise inside. The telltale click of a gun's hammer sounded in the dark. Leave her be, or the only surprise you'll get is a bullet. The men wheeled around. Mrs. Max stood, scowl on her face and pistol in hand pointed at them. Ah, look, it's the lassie's ma. Well, you're welcome to join the party too, my lady. The one called Thomas cackled. He grabbed me and Mrs. Mack lurched forward, giving the other time to grab her gun. The hammer hit and the shot rang out and Mrs. Mack crumpled to the ground. No, I screamed, struggling to get to her. They left her on the ground in the mud to die, dragging me off toward the woods. She lifted one arm toward me and then slumped down. Tears stung my eyes, but I couldn't cry. I needed to fight, fight or die. In the dark of the trees, Thomas dragged me through to a soft pile of pine needles. He tossed me to the ground and my breath left my body in a fast whoosh as my back hit the base of the tree. He leered at me, peeling his coat from his shoulders. A young lass at a tavern in the middle of the night is looking for one thing, and a lass who shows up dressed as a lad is looking for even more, and I'm going to give it to you. I learned one important thing from Alec that day by the oak tree. Never show your hand. I clicked the hammer on my pistol and waited until both his arms were pinned inside their sleeves as he struggled to shrug his jacket from his bulk. I lifted the gun and pointed the barrel at his soft middle. This is what I came for. I pulled the trigger. The gun exploded in my hand, my body jerking back against the tree, slamming my head. Hot pain shot through to my shoulder. My arm juddered and numb from the recoil, but my bullet hit its mark. A wide crimson stain spread across the man's chest and his thick-set belly, and he fell forward. I twisted out of the way and gathered my wits looking for his cohort, but he was nowhere to be seen. 
I scrambled to my feet and ran back to the tavern. Mrs. Mack lay in a puddle of her own blood, her body already cold. Hot tears streamed down my face as I pulled her limp form onto my lap and rocked her as she had done so many times with me. I smoothed her hair away from her face and closed her eyes. I hope you're with Douglas now. I lowered my head to hers and wept until I had no more tears. I needed to get up and find Paulding, Bam Wart, and Williams more now than ever. There was no way I was going to let Mrs. Mack die in vain. Forget all the other good it would do. I needed to do this for her. I wiped my eyes and my nose on my sleeve and got to my feet. I hoisted her body the best I could and moved her against the wall beside the tavern's front windows. Patrons came out at this point, having heard the commotion, but still taking time to finish their pints. Effing losers. Ah, no. The constable will be here along with his militia, the bartender said annoyed. I whirled on my heels. A good woman is dead because of you. You wouldn't help me when I asked. His face nodded and he lifted his knuckles as if to backhand me, but I took the butt of Alex's pistol and swung it wide, smacking him in the temple. He went down like a sack of meal. Chest heaving, I spun toward the rest. Anyone else? A man stepped forward and I lifted the gun to strike again, but he raised both hands. Please, miss, I'm John Paulding and I'm so very sorry for all of this. He turned and gestured for a few of the men to carry Mrs. Mack's body inside waving for me to follow. They laid her across a bench and someone covered her with an old blanket. They left the bartender in the mud outside, no one caring to move him. I sat with John at one of the tables and someone got me a pint of something cold and alcoholic. I drained half the cup, my nerves frayed. What do you want with me, miss? I looked out the window and saw it was still dark yet. We had time and hopefully the rest of the night would make this sacrifice well worth the price. My name is of no importance. I am here because there is a plot to give control of West Point to the British. I looked at Paulding, and it was then I realized he wore the coat of a Hessian, the same blue coat I saw on the headless spirit in the old Dutch church burial ground the previous Halloween. You have been chosen to arrest the spy. He'll be dressed in civilian clothing and carrying papers signed by General Arnold. It's a conspiracy to get him through the American lines. He managed to avoid militia patrols and bluff his way through any that questioned him. He cocked his head. And how does a slip of a girl in lad's clothing know all this? I was just going to ask the same question. Paulding and I both turned, and with a moment, he was out of his seat, giving the man a hug. Ike, you devil, when did you get back? Just tonight. So is there profit in this mystery, lass, or are you just out tonight for folly? I glanced at my cup. Death of people you love is never folly, sir. So that's my excerpt. It's from my book, Time Turner, which is from my legend series. And it's called the legend series because it's all um, legends and urban legends and stories and accountings of factual events that happened in um, what we call Sleepy Hollow Country, which is where I'm from in New York. And it, it uh, all takes place around the American Revolution and the historical things that happened that I have taken and fictionalized. And my main character, in case you're wondering why they never say her name, is based on a secret agent that was part of the Culper Spy ne Network who 
to this day, they still don't know who she is. But the book is called Time Turner because the book is time travel. And the, the main character here, her name is Rowan Corbett. And she was thrown back in time to 1787 from the 21st century. And I figured maybe no one knows who that, that secret agent was because she wasn't of that time. So there's my twist. But unfortunately, a good character had to die to forward the story and to also round out my main character's character arc, character growth. So I didn't want to kill off Mrs. Mack. She is the mother figure of this young girl. Um, She's only 18 years old and she's thrown back in time, completely out of her element. A modern girl thrown back into 1787. And this one woman took her under her wing. She couldn't tell her who she was for real and where she had come from, or they would have accused her of being a witch um, mm-hmm. because of the time frame. She did. She still ended up taking her under her wing and taking her to her heart. And unfortunately, she had to yeah. die for the cause. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And did you know that right from the beginning? No, I did not. Um, there's an old man um, because Mrs. Mack is older woman. There's an old man um, in the story, and he's always fancied her. And the two of them never got together. They never had any children. So my main character is kind of like the child of their heart um, because she's back in time for months and months and months trying to figure out why, why she was thrown back in time, what her purpose is, and how to get back. So mm, yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do see that. I loved your writing as well and your reading. Um, I do see this is much more emotional because there is an, an innocent. I think we, we feel that. We also feel that when we watch movies, when an innocent victim falls, we feel much more um, emotional about that than when it is a villain. <laughs> Yeah, so to say. So yeah. <laughs> I do, I do get that. That um, yeah, this is, uh, and and you 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 feel the heartache of the, of the character, so to say. Um, yeah. So um, have you ever? Um, this is when your character, your character killed the the German general. In this one, it was another character killing off a character. In my book, I didn't have my main character kill her. She was a secondary character, but she had to die for the purpose of the plot. Have you ever had a situation where that happened, where you had a good character who had to be killed off for the purpose of the plot? Or <laughs> is, it just, is it just evil characters? No, 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 no. I, I, um, that was that's in, the, in the, the Diamond Courier. I don't know if we have another time because I have prepared another... Um, but that was actually a very strange situation that um, he, he was a minor character, an Italian, and he uh, was supposed to just be a chauffeur. So not any, and, and for some reason, he, he literally took the front seat and he, he tried to become a very important person in the book. And I couldn't have that happen because... His, he really sort of took the story and made it his own. And I thought, what is going on here? And I mean, he's just a chauffeur, behave as a chauffeur. He was very funny and I'm sure everybody likes him. And, and he was a good man. I mean, he was a communist. Um, he had fled Italy from Mussolini. And um, 
and he was very he was involved with the communist movement in in the second world war so um and but in belgium and he sort of was a chauffeur to the, to the, the diamond courier to the young girl and but i was i was at my wit's end with him because he, he just kept taking you know taking being like the the, the clown of the whole show and <laughs> so i decided to kill him off but that was <laughs> you didn't like his jokes anna <laughs> the thing is yeah well i just had mussolini's black shirts um coming after him and, and killing him off killing him in front of her but um well um i thought it, it added to the to the the urgency of the story and 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 many readers also relate to it because it's actually for the first time that she really sees somebody being killed in front of her eyes so that was a that was a funny part but the book i'm embarking about now and that was one of the the reasons we also decided to talk about it is called the norwegian assassin and now i'm going to have a main character who just kills everybody on her path i have so, to ask you a question did you have you ever had a situation where you wrote a book you wrote a character that you knew was going to die you wrote them because they were going to die and then change your mind I don't think so. Um, I had a I, the other way around. I had a character that I didn't think was going to die, and and he died. So, yeah. did you have? Yes, actually, um, in uh, Jeepers Reapers, the book that was released, um, the paranormal women's fiction that was released uh, June thirtieth, I had every intention of of killing off um, a character that was an ex-husband of my main character because I had painted him in my outlines as being the bad guy, the one that was kind of uh, pulling all the strings behind the scenes um, with the, you know, being uh, aligned with the darkness as opposed with the light. Um, but halfway through writing it, I was just like, I can't, I can't do this. I just can't. It's number one, it's kind of like the butler did it, you know, <laughs> making it be the ex-husband. Yeah. So I decided to build in a twist and have it be somebody else. But I decided that, you know what? No one is going to die here that didn't need to for the plot. You know, I did okay. have to kill out. I did have to kill off her boss. But at the same time, the person who was being manipulated by the Reapers that were um, under the purview of the Grim, the Grim Reaper, um, that they were basically being controlled and blackmailed and so forth. And that there was that, that, and I didn't have to kill them at the end. I was able to have them have their minds wiped so that they didn't remember how they were being used and so forth. This is, this is the beauty of paranormal. I mean, you could just, you know, <laughs> wipe somebody's mind. Yes. Wouldn't that be great for us, for us, for real sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. No, I do. What I do. And I suppose you do that as well. I do have, um you know um, death is that sort of propel the story forward they are like for the main character they're so important so like you had with the elder um lady the caretaker i had that in impeccable fields that the uh, the housekeeper who is actually the mum's surrogate mum uh, the, the 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 child's surrogate mother young girl um She's being killed by the Paris gun. That was a gun that was positioned in northern France, and it was. Right. They didn't understand what it was because they had like 
um, the Zeppelins and they had um, bombs falling from planes in the First World War. But this was like a cannonball. They didn't know where it came from. It was a huge thing. And she was actually, um, so. She, but I used this killing, this killing, and I suppose you did, to sort of um, make the story more, um, yeah, to propel it forward. This is like an inc inciting event that that makes the, the, the heroine have to go on her journey. I suppose that's the same with you and a young girl at West Point, that this murder sort of incites them to, to, to take revenge or whatever. It was, uh, I don't know if it was so much it was murder that incites her for revenge. It's, it's just, it lights a fire under her because this is, she doesn't know if it's going to work. And then now she has to make it work because yeah. otherwise she's going to hurt her. This woman who was like a surrogate mother to her, you know, and taking care of her um, would have died in vain. In Jeepers yeah. Reapers, though, the, her, my main character, uh, uh, Louisa, her boss having died. I mean, I even joke about it. I have her say, well, he played chicken with a bus and the bus won, you know, and uh, because he's kind of a jerk. You know, her boss is yeah. kind of a jerk, but he is the impetus that has to have her go on her journey, yeah. where, you know, so, and so it, and he does have a redemption, even though he's dead, you know, he has to go on this death audit, you know, like almost like a, a celestial version of this is your life. And this is how you know, everybody who dies in my world that I've created has to go along this audit and they have to look at, you know, look at, at their life. And if they've learned anything from the mistakes they've made and the choices that they've made in order to decide whether or not they can move on or not move on. And uh, um, his redemption comes after he's dead so that he's able to move on, even though he was kind of a real jerk in life so yeah yeah but yeah i think that generally we have to kill off characters to propel the story forward to make it more urgent for the main character to to go after that goal yes yes it's either something i mean i don't know about you but for me in a lot of my books revenge also plays a plays a, yeah. a big a big role in why certain characters die and then i have characters who go out looking to kill somebody because of revenge for whatever reason yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't and it, it, it if it, it 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 doesn't happen because um it's not something that is that they need they need to it's, it's not their it's not the vehicle of growth that they need in mm -hmm. their character arc um sometimes yeah. Sometimes it is. Sometimes yeah. it's fun to see somebody who's been so awful get it in the end. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm very much looking forward to writing this character that becomes hard as nails, you know, and just wants to kill, just gets sort of satisfaction of killing. Um, I, I, I do want to take it. I'm going to try to really go under the skin of this character to feel that cold-blooded need to to take revenge and and see what I do with it but because um of course that is as authors we kill but we wouldn't kill in real life but I still think we have to be able to 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 feel the psychological need or the 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 the, the total coldness of of being able to 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 shut out all all empathy 
for another human being's life and just go for it, you know? I think sometimes it's a matter of the character, what the character has been through that causes them to get to that point. I mean, in my book, which is book one in my series, Hunter's Blood, um, it's a book one in the um, Cursed by Blood series. She has lost so much that now she's just like, you know, she's using her psychic abilities to tune into these creatures who are just, they, they, they've taken everything from her. And now she's on a, she's a vigilante, you know, basically mm. looking to even the score one bullet at a time. Yeah. And um, she ends up almost killed herself. And that's where yeah. she meets her love interest and realizes that they're not, even though he is one of the entities, he's because he's a, a shifter, that he's not her enemy, that they're basically, mm. you know, yeah. fighting for the same thing. And that's, that's yeah. something that's very hard for her to accept yeah. is that not all paranormal or supernatural entities are these evil beings that need to be destroyed, you know? And mm. so that's part of her character arc there too, is that she has yeah. to understand yeah. that they're just, they're every, they're, they're people, everyday people like we are, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that the fact that if you are so filled with hate, you cannot feel love. So and in order to to have the, the capacity for love again, you will have to dilute the hate in some way, you know. Yeah. So that is interesting. Isn't it though we have a great job? I mean, we can. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We can bring up all these um human situation that you would never even dream of yeah you say you have the nightmares i don't really have nightmares like that or about killing people or i don't i mean what you said about how it's like if you're, if you're filled with hate there's no room for love i just i don't think that there's no that you can't feel love rather i don't think that you can't feel it i think that it's in in the situations that you and i create in our books whether they be fantasy or whether they be historic fiction you know that's based on on uh real events that it's that so much has overwhelmed our main characters that it's not that they they don't have the capacity to love it's that they've suppressed it because yeah, everything yeah. else, because if you if you if you've ever had any kind of um, read any kind of psychological books or what have you to to hold on to hate and to hold on to that, 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 that those feelings, it takes so much energy to hold on to it. Yeah, that it doesn't leave any room for anything else. No, no, because know? love has a, a, a more elevated uh, energy. Yeah. Hate is a very dark and, and, and solid Everything negative has more mass, they say. Yeah. So that is it. It costs it. It costs much more energy to stay in a, in a state of hate, and and that is of course they come to a, to a, um, a tipping point at some point that they just can't continue regenerating this hate again. Yeah. And I think these are the most interesting characters to write because yes. there is so much at stake for them, and. Um, yeah, the, I, I think we are. This is very similar uh, theme, and I think they they make the best characters. That they are so desperate, and on the other hand, they are very strong in the, in their way to redemption, so to say. And, yes, um, yes, I agree. I agree. They are their their character arcs are filled with twists and turns, and if you can. I think each one of us, author or reader, it doesn't make a difference. Each one of us can see ourselves in some of the struggles that these characters have. Not that anybody's going to run out and try to, you know, uh, <laughs> be a vigilante and kill or what have you. 
but that um, we've all had times and situations that are trying and that yeah. test our faith, our faith in humanity, our faith in ourselves, you know, so maybe not to the extent that you and I um, exacerbate situations and, 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 and convolute situations, but everybody sees shades of themselves, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, but I must say, I'm, I'm sort of, um, I have some trepidation to, to enter this character because it's the darkest character, character I have written so far. And um, it, I know it's going to take a lot from me as well to be able to, I, I will have to, to put a lot of me inside of her and uh, I really want to do it, but I, I, it's, it's, it's daunting. I think you have written many more action scenes than I have. Yes, I have written um, every book I have has action in every single one, even the YA ones. Yeah, but, but I mean action by the main character. Yes, yes. Yeah. Action by the main character, action by the main male character, because a lot of my books are third person, so I have them juxtaposed. But I have to say... I always have a touchstone. My characters always have a touchstone. Somebody that is in their sphere that is telling them you're spiraling. You're yes. spiraling. You need to stop the wise, this right now. The wise. Yes. Uh, the there's, always, there's always a touchstone. Whether they listen to them or not, ignore them, it's fine. Yeah. You know, um, in Hunter's Blood, the touchstone is a ghost, the ghost of her best friend who was killed, which sent her over the edge to become this vigilante. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, I do believe that, that there has to be a counterbalance that they don't listen to, not at first. Right. But that is a constant, because otherwise it would just be a black book. Right. A dark. Yes. Hopeless book. Right. So there must, um, and, and I mean, that would be horror, I suppose. Yes. Not. Yeah. I never I, read horror, but. I don't either. I mean, and so people have asked me, you know, you write such dark stuff sometimes. How do you not write? How do you not love horror? How do you not watch horror? How do you not? And I'm like, I don't want, I can't see it. I can't watch it. I just no, can't. Although I must say the, the scene I just read, for me, it feels horror-like, you know. I thought it was closest to horror that I've written. But what I mean, I think horror just, maybe they don't have the mentor. Maybe they don't have the touchstone. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, because usually it's a psychological thing where the person's not right in their mind. So there is no touchstone. Yeah, I just not for me. It's That's not a for good me. one as well. Yeah, even even if they're desperate, they have they have sort of a touchstone inside themselves. Of course, a moral there has to compass. Be, yes. Yeah. Yes. That is. And that is so important to give to the to the, the reader as well, that they root for them to actually come to the goods in the end. Yeah, yeah, because a moral compass is something we all possess. And do we lose our way at times? Absolutely. You know, yeah. have you ever said something to somebody that the minute that it, you know it's mean-spirited and the minute it leaves your mouth, you wish you could pull it back in? That's the t that's a moment where we just get a brain burp, you know, from our, uh, our moral compass. So, yeah. It's interesting. It's a very, it's very Absolutely. interesting. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I, and yeah, for me, it is a slow discovery, so to say, as I say, my, my next book is going to be a lot darker and I think I will actually like it. The first book was, was more, um, uh, um, a spectators of the, of the violence. Well, you have to look at it this way, Hannah, because even in, children's uh, fiction, you know, uh, 
Harry Potter, for example. Those books start out, the first book starts out rather light, you know, and he mm-hmm. finds out he's a witch, a, a wizard and so forth. And then as the books go on, you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven, they get progressively darker and yeah. darker and darker yeah. until it becomes the battle between good, between yeah. good and evil. Yeah. And as long as that you keep the thread of that moral compass and you keep the thread of redemption and that your character doesn't just have a descent into madness where they're just a, a, um, a killing machine with no feeling, you know, something that's like a sociopath or, you know, yeah. as long as that, as long as there's redemption, I think readers can deal with it. Yeah, I think then readers and, you know, as long as there's as long as there's a moment of reckoning where they can look at themselves and say, oh, my God, what am I doing? You know, yeah. or they are, there's a reason for what they're doing. And then they realize that their reason is wrong, regardless of how good it feels. It's still wrong. You know, yeah. then then uh, then readers, I think, are OK with it. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, also that they take along what the character has gone through to come to that point yes yes so that that gives them you know uh, some some credit as well for for being a sociopath for a little <laughs> bit because when you were saying that i was thinking but mine is going to be you know just ruthless killer she's going to to uh, sink submarines and ki- lynch uh, ministers of the fascist. She's just every time there is a possibility to have a killing, she's front and form. <laughs> me, me. <laughs> she puts her hand up first. I'll do it. <laughs> she even sneaks out when there is no reason. You know, oh, <laughs> she's got an itch that needs to be scratched. You got to get her some. Got to get her some hydrocortisone. Clear that up. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the notion that one person would kill another person I mean we are very aware that in real life this is this is not a, a boundary that you cross you know mm-hmm. so even in our fiction we we take the responsibility to do this in in a way that it, that is acceptable and, right um, yeah absolutely so well I think that does it for us for today Hannah, thank you for, for, for being my partner in crime today, <laughs> my partner in killing crime. Where can readers find you, Marianne? Readers can find me on Amazon. My books are in uh, Kindle Unlimited and on Amazon uh, KDP for ebook as well as for paperbacks. Actually, my paperbacks are available everywhere. They're available on Barnes & Noble and on Apple and so forth. But the ebooks are right now are only on Amazon. And you can go to my website, which is www.mariannemorea.com and find me there. I'm always, and reach out to me on social media. I'm always up for a chit chat. So, and what about you, Hannah? Yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I'm also, even my, my paperbacks are just on Amazon at the moment. I'm in KU as well. And um, yeah, my website is www.hannabyron.com. So very simple. You can find me there and you find all my social media there. And yeah, of course, I'm always interested in if people, people have questions about how to kill and when to kill you know where <laughs> to find us <laughs> join us next week as we continue the journey of um, how stories come to life um, to make us all bound by books and hope you have a wonderful wonderful rest of your day so bye-bye, bye-bye.